Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark out for a it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com, if you're into the word the, because uh, I bought them both. And um, the, uh, oh, Mike Rickberg just sang the song you heard with Sarah Cohen. Michael sang uh, the Mexican hat dance at the end of the show and make me laugh. And Patrick Brady will fix this audio. Vilmos works on the websites. There is merch. If you were to ever want merch, there are three different kinds of Dork Forest t-shirts. Uh, due to the good works of Brett Chambers, he sent that fan art with, with uh, the cursive, the Dork Forest. I don't think it's cursive. I think it's just the words, the Dork Forest. I think I'm using that wrong. Whatever it is, he outdorked me on it because it has a D12 on it. It has um, the Rebel Alliance without the benefit of copyright symbol and uh, some Elvish, little Kenya. Kenya? Quenya? Quenya. Quenya. Sorry. Oh, no, no worries. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, it means I found it, and it's what Aragorn says when he finds the white tree at the end of The Return of the King. Those are available in green and brown. And then we have the black, the original um, Dork Forest logo that my nephew, young Salmon Bemel Benrood, designed when he graduated from art school and looked at what I had done and said, can I fix that? And he did. And he did good work. So you can buy a t-shirt if you like at JackieCation.com on the store page, the merch page. There are also, my CDs are there. The first one, Circus People. And then the second one, It Is Never Going to Be Bread, which was critically acclaimed. Top 10 comedy albums of the year on Amazon in 2010 when it came out. Meaning, uh, I'm due to put out another album any day now. And I'm thinking of calling it. Thank you, uh, Steve Mandel. Uh, he has named my next album, if I have the guts to name it. This would make an excellent horcrux. Anyway, um, <laughs> the uh, uh, oh, and there's a donation button. If you haven't used it yet, knock yourselves out because um, it would be good. It would be really good because uh, money is uh, is a positive thing. And uh, Patrick Brady told me that lavaliers cost six hundred and twenty dollars each. I'm not getting them. I'm not getting them. We're gonna we're gonna work without lavaliers unless I borrow them from Joe Wilson, previous host of the Dork Forest. Sitting across from me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this American Wife is his podcast, and his name is Eric Martin. Please uh, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here. Excellent. So we met the other night uh, for probably the umpteenth time at a comedy show, mm-hmm. and you pointed out that you are currently in the process, or have you finished? Are you caught up? Nowhere near done. No. How could you be? So many. So many. We're teasing it. Here's We're, what's happening. Yes, please. Uh, so many. I, I, I'm reading all of the Spider-Mans, all of the Spider-Man comics from Amazing Spider-Man issue one, 1963 to the present day. Where are you at? Where are you at with that? Like 1982, mid-1982. That sort of pained look on your face um, <laughs> as you look forward, not at all, to the next 18 years of Spider-Man uh, prior to Spider-Island, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I hope they go to Spider Island. That would be a nice reprieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, a lot of swinging around New York at this point. Oh, I bet. Who's so? You're like I'm gonna. Had you read them starting in 19, not 1963, because you were not around. Right. But um, had you ever tried to read them? Like, when did you? Are you, I just asked you what tumbler you wanted, what pint glass you wanted. Mm-hmm. And you were like, well, it would either be Batman or Spider-Man, neither of which I own, sadly. Sure. So you're with Thor. I've got Captain America. Mm-hmm. Um, why Spider-Man? What, what's this, what's your history of, uh, the love of Spider-Man? I think, well, 
it came, so I was born in 77, and Batman, the first Michael Keaton movie, came out in 89. And okay. that was sort of like the thunder crack of, you know, I was 12 years old, and it just completely... Oh, that's the perfect time for a superhero, superhero movie to yeah. take over. And yeah. it was Michael Keaton, no less. Like, you know, Mr. Mom himself was suddenly, <laughs> you know, the superhero of <laughs> my dreams. Wait, so, that guy's a safe space, man, and now now he's a vigilante. <laughs> I saw that man uh, mope around a house in a flannel shirt for what seemed like months, <laughs> and here he was fighting crime, and it was so cathartic. To right. See. <laughs> Finally, you got out of the house. Well done. I don't know if you remember this. You wouldn't have. 1989 is when that uh, Batman movie came out. Mm-hmm. In 1980. Oh, 1989, Mr. Mom, and I will double check this and put it in the notes. McDonald's was giving away VHS tapes of Mr. Mom. So with like a Happy Meal or with with some damn yes, you would get a VHS tape of Mr. Mom. And that's how I got my copy. And that's how I got mine. (laughs) Amazing. Oh, weird. Yeah. Before that, I used to have to catch it when it came on HBO, which, sure. by the way, by the way, if I, I just uh, got uh, became acquainted with HBO Go and seeing what they have on the HBOs, I've been without cable for, for years. Right. But looking at it now, I realize that it's still 1991 on HBO. They're still showing baby boom. It's still happening. That's never gone wow. out of circulation. That is never. They've never dropped that one. Yeah. They were like, that is always going to be a winner. At three in the morning. Uh, so talk to me. Uh, now I'm going to digress into HBO Go because one of my brothers has HBO and I have uh, and he doesn't have an iPad. Mm. And so much like I share my Netflix with one of my nephews, my brother could share his HBO with me. Right. Surely could. So what is what do I need him to do or what do I need to do with HBO Go? I think. How do I get it on my iPad? I don't know that I can in, endorse it. I think mm-hmm. you can't. You can't like. You, can, you're you not can't. You can't it. order it, right? No, no. But I think I download it yeah. by using his and I think account you, number. Right. You have to like get an account number too, but you can only get it if you have a subscription. It sounds like your brother does. So right. You, right. Put, you connect the dots, and hopefully, you know, it's family helping each other, and we'll that, see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on my other brother's Audible account. Oh, fantastic! I mean, it's not. It's family. I mean, it's not like we're going crazy here. It's not like I'm selling it. <laughs> it would just be me and my iPad using my brother's uh, thing that he does not use. If he had a hammer and I needed a hammer, he would lend it to me. I think that's legit. Mm-hmm. Do you have HBO Go on your iPad? I do not. No, it's on my Xbox. Oh, that's weird. Because yeah. why wouldn't it just be on your television? Well, because I don't have cable. Oh, and see, now here's the crux. But it's not mine, it's my roommate's. Oh. And so I think he's got an account. Well, anyway. Something is happening like the thing I want to do with your Xbox. Pretty much. There we go. Okay. Uh, Digital space. And the dots have been connected completely. (laughs) And good for us. Okay, so. Batman. Back to Batman and Spider-Man. So you're 12. Yeah. Prior to this. Right. So something about the tortured, um, you know, crime fighter, you know, into justice. It's the dream of every 12 year old that, first of all, you think you're tortured, A. Right. And B, you wish to fight crime. Yeah. This is not unique, particularly, um, but it was. uh, It's admirable, though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, but it was from there that I I found Spider-Man. And he was similarly tortured, but he was a wisecracker. But he was somebody that had, like, psychological problems. He was burdened with his superpowers. You know, he was burdened with his superpowers. Here is my consistent. This might be the third episode of The Dork Forest where I've asked this question. Why wouldn't. Why was he poor? He was a like a scientific genius. 
Why is he delivering pizzas and selling one-off photographs of himself? Why is that? Why isn't he somewhere putting things in Petri dishes for $32,000 a year at an entry-level job? Right. Well, I will tell you this. Based on my rigorous reading of all of these Spider-Man comics between 1963 and 82 so far. Wow. That's almost 20 years of Spider-Man. Yeah. And they, this is before they were doing spinoffs, right? This was just where there was one or two titles. Oh, no. There were three titles. Yeah, I thought there were two. Turns out there were three. That was took some additional time. Anyway, a lot of time went into this. But point being, to answer this question, uh, Spider-Man, I think he was probably his own worst enemy in that respect. He was always sort of down on himself. He was mm-hmm. taking pictures of himself and selling it to a man who hated him. Right. So that's a loathsome position to be in. And right. uh, one of his own making. Yes. Yes. That is exactly my problem. Because I read Spider-Man. When I was in junior high, which would have been in the late seventies. And, um, my favorite were when he was teamed up, the team ups. Mm-hmm. Those were my favorite ones. Cause, um, cause he needs a foil and, and his, his enemies are often so dumb in, in some of them that he needed someone to riff off of. That was another superhero usually. Mm-hmm. And, um, okay. So let's start with, so you've almost read 20 years. How many comics is that? That is, um, I think about like 220 of the amazing Spider-Man and about 100 to 150 of Marvel team up, which okay. is always, almost always Spider-Man and then Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man. Oh yeah. 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 I don't think I understood when I was a kid that there were different universes that these were happening in, that, that the continuity didn't always intersect. Well, I think of these three, they all were happening at the same time. There's, I, I think at a certain point and uh, past 93, uh, I don't know anything about like I for the oh. last twenty years I have no idea what's going to happen. Oh really? Yeah. I so basically from yeah. ni- eight, 1989 to nineteen ninety three I collected all of the comics. Like I knew everything about. Like I just com- uh, became you, completely obsessed with them. With comic books, I had to quit cold turkey. Wow, in ninety three. Ninety three. When you were sixteen, essentially. Yeah, yeah, sixteen, seventeen, like right about to go off to college, and I was like. I need. I must put aside childish things. I need. Well, it was like I need money. <laughs> oh right. I'm spending yeah, no, all of my money on yeah, comics. All of your money is going towards comic <laughs> books, and they were only like a buck and a quarter a piece, I think, at the time. Exactly. But were you reading all of Marvel? Were you reading all of DC? Were you reading all of everything? I was. Re- I was fascinated by um, Spider-Man, Batman. I would collect a few other little things here and there, but I didn't do the Avengers, didn't do, but Dark Horse comics were my other big thing. Oh. Because I loved Aliens slash Predator slash The Terminator. Okay. So my, my uh, dear friend at the time was, um, you know, was also into these, um, uh, movies got me into them, and then of course they're doing comic book adaptations of them. Oh, right. And aliens were versing predators, aliens versus predators, right. and then Robocop was fighting the Terminator. This was uh, unbelievable. All in comic book form. All in comic book form. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the first Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Did you buy one of those Spider-Man Essentials? Is that where how you've been reading them? Yeah. So you um you know th- books check them out. Go to your local library, and they'll okay. have the the essentials, and they're in black and white. But you right. can still but the the, the story's still there, and the arts the line drawings are still there. Yeah. The first thing I did actually, what what prompted me to do it, right, was I um I actually went back and reread all the old comics I have that are still bagged and boarded. Well, sure, and in, in boxes. In the long, do you have a long box situation or is it short boxes? There's a few. There's a few long boxes. Oh, yeah. fair enough. All right. Yeah. All right, all right, nice. My parents are very nice, still, you know, dating. Oh, they're just, still storing them for still you? Still storing them. <laughs> lovely, lovely people, amazing, <laughs> amazing parents. 
<laughs> well, good for them. Right. <laughs> they still got the house. And uh, so, okay, so you just reread those four years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, pretty much everything you had? Yeah, well, j- just Spider-Man. Okay. I'm just rereading Spider-Man mm-hmm. and was, was, you know, and then I wanted to know more. I wanted to, yeah. you know, what's happened since. Yeah. And it was always something I was curious about because I always felt like whenever I did, when I did pick up the story, it was like, you know, almost at that point, 20 years had happened right. or more, 25 years. And, uh, and they would always talk about things that happened in like Spider-Man issue four that came out in 64. And yeah. Like, Come on. I wasn't around. I don't. So, but right. now. Now no. the backstory. Now you know what happened in, in Spider-Man 4. It's made me a better person. Has it Has it really made you a better person? Is it coming along? Well, Talk to me briefly about, was it, you know how like, because I, I have not, I have not read any early comic books. I started reading them probably in 2004. Mm-hmm. And so less than 10 years I've been reading comic books. But the sheer enormity of comic books that Andy Ashcraft collects mm-hmm. uh, is re- I can give you a bit of a tour afterwards. Uh, when we moved in together, the boxes just kept coming into the house. And I, at one point I was like, what the hell? And, uh, and he goes, you'll never see them. I promise you. You'll never see, I'm, my bread, my, my, I bought the, the bed so that it, it rises up high enough so that we can slide most of them right under the bed. And, um, but he would consistently, like go to the long boxes and get me backstories. But then, cause you, you know, you start out, there are 20 minutes to read one comic. Do you think? I'd say, yeah. Yeah. So you've read almost 300 comics in, in how many, like 220 and then another 150? Yeah. Plus another 150 on top of that. When, when did you start doing this? In like July. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm a so, bit of a speed reader. So I get, sure. I get through them a little quicker. Right. And you can, and, and, to some extent, unless you and if you're looking at the black and white, the art is really hard to get kind of sucked into, so you can just sort of skim a little bit, and yeah. um, that's interesting. So, were the early, the my point of this entire thing was were the early ones interesting? What is the tale of of those first like four years or those first five years? Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting. Um, it, what's what's fascinating is how. Specific to that era, it was, and actually learning as much about Spider-Man and his characters about the world in which these these things you know came from. Some of these um, comics actually had the original ads um, nearby. I was able to find some of the original ads, and it was okay. like you know these these howler you know monkeys that you could actually you know order in the mail, or you know the, you, you hear it's about a howler monkey. Well, not a howler monkey, but a um, uh, like an actual like capuchin monkey um, that you For could an animal. Just, yeah. You can just order animals and, you know, in addition loose, to like loose animals in the mail. Yeah. You can just, they just send you an animal. <laughs> I don't know how this, I don't, you know. Yeah. Exotic. It was before they realized that people would order exotic pets and then all yeah. of a sudden you'd have exotic pets. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> killing people or roaming free and killing all the local fauna and flora. Yeah. So, the, you know, that was fascinating to see. Yeah. People could just get monkeys in the mail. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but at, at his court, like this was a nerdy kid, like a high school kid who was picked on. Yeah. And these were one-off stories and these were like fantastical stories. So the the okay. style of the art, you know, Steve Ditko was the the artist initially for the first. And what I didn't realize is that Stan Lee actually wrote the first hundred issues of that comic book. Okay. Um. So that was one that he like. And so 
everything is you know, in that style. The captions are like, and the most magnificent, you know, panel, and here's these stunning into action in the Marvel way. And every page is just selling itself, you know, okay. so hard. Uh, yeah. And then the art is very bright and colorful. Um, and so this world of the 60s. Primary and like, colors, right? Yeah, and there's superheroes and supervillains. And yeah, there's a kingpin of crime. Um, but, you know, he's a bigger, larger-than-life character. What I really became fascinated by was the transition into the 70s. And... Um, and just the way that the horror of New York in the seventies even bled into these like Spider-Man comics. Yeah. Um, so like the movie Taxi Driver. Right. I guess that's 1979. Pre- uh, yeah. Well, like mm-hmm. 76, like right somewhere right I in there. It was, yeah, but I'll put it in the notes. Okay. Okay. And so Taxi Driver, late seventies. Right. Um, that w- was pretty much became what Spider-Man comics were all about in the seventies. Okay, just that gritty New York kind of thing. Super gritty, like like were the '60s ones very? They looked like a, a mad, for lack of anything else, a Mad Men kind of. Everyone with hats and ties. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so the '70s looked like people would need haircuts and. And you're like, uh, deadbeats and uh, a lot of vets. Yeah. A lot of Vietnam vets wandering around with PTSD that nobody knew what to do with. It's so true. And Vietnam came up quite a bit and there were pimps in Harlem and all the sorts of, and so there would, you know, there'd be a superhero, there'd be like a supervillain, but it wasn't nearly as terrifying as what was going on just with street, you know, trash (laughs) out there. Street crime? Yeah. Just terrifying. (laughs) Terrifying street crime. And was there mention of like Watergate and, Anything like that? Were there any, was it Pogo-like? Was it, did it, did it go political? It definitely mentioned things. The, the most, there was one story arc that I, cause, you know, I mentioned these were like all in the sixties, there were single stories. And then in the seventies, they started to do, um, longer story arcs. Okay, arcs. So like multi-part okay. things. But when I was reading them in the nineties, they would be like the return of the sinister six, part one of six. And they would have it all plotted out. Right. With these ones, I got the sensation that they were just kind of like finding their way and like, Kind of making it up as they went along. They're like, this, we're going to continue this, but we're going to stop in the middle of a sentence. I have no idea where this is going. Just more like, just like plotting and it just veers in crazy directions. And it's like, they were just making it up as they went along. So the first hundred issues are Kirby, did you say, or Stan Lee? Uh, uh, Steve Ditko did like the first maybe 40 or 50 illustrated. Stan Lee wrote, I think, like the first hundred or so. Okay. So, so did Stan Lee write into the, 70s? Yeah, into like the early 70s. Okay, and then it got taken over, do you remember by who? Yeah, uh, Jerry Conway is his name, who also wrote, um, when I started reading The Spectacular Spider-Man in the 90s, but he was right? snatched away to, um, episodic television. So he started, oh. he started writing like episodic crime drama TV. I think he did the Father Dowling mysteries. Oh, there you go. So he got snatched away from Spider-Man yeah, to yeah. work so with that some, he could earn a living. Some sweet Bosley right, right. action. Yeah, <laughs> Tom Bosley. <laughs> and, uh, Father Bosley. Wait. Father Bosley. Was it what I never saw the father? Um, I never saw, I, I've heard of that series, but I, I uh, never did get to see it. I think, uh, I saw probably the whole series, um, because that's what we did. We watched TV when you were children. Yes. When we were all children. And, and was it in the 90s? Was that TV it, show? In it was the like 90s? 89 to 91. Oh, was right I in there. was drunk. I'm sorry. But uh, in other news, uh, well, I think you didn't miss much. That's what I'm. That's what I'm told about some television is that it'll be fine. You, can, I could probably get it on Netflix streaming. Okay, so so that's the seventies. Yeah, but the so the the first of these these story arcs, and it is probably the most quintessentially seventies story arcs was like Spider Man's best friend. His name is Flash Thompson, and he had uh, gone to Vietnam. 
to fight in the war. Like left a hero and then came back kind of like kind of messed up. Right, right. Sort of rootless, didn't, wasn't, didn't know which way to go. And he found a lady named Sha Shan who was, who he had a thing with, who nursed him back to health in Vietnam. Turns out she was back out here. Um, and they, yeah, I know. And so, but she couldn't, they couldn't be together because she was with some, turns out, and as you learn over the course of this four part story arc, like she's with this, 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 um, you know, evil cult. Mm. And they take over Yankee Stadium. Excellent. And they're like, they looks like they're Harry Krishnas mm-hmm. spreading message of peace, but they're actually spreading a message of hate. And it's the hate monger that leads this group. <laughs> of course, the hate monger is eventually name? unmasked and it's some other, like he's a, some kind of wolf. <laughs> but, <laughs> but help comes to Spider-Man mm-hmm. in the form of a gigantic Southern man wearing a Razorback. His name is Razorback. He's wearing a giant pig outfit and is As, he originally from Arkansas? Yes. Or he is indeed. Yes. He is indeed from Arkansas. Yes, he the arrived. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. He arrived via truck um, because <laughs> he was. Because <laughs> that's how people in Arkansas travel, by he, truck. <laughs> he communicated uh, on CB radio. So Breaker, breaker, mm-hmm. bear in the air. What is happening? Um <laughs> Okay, so this is this is in the seventies. Yeah, this is seventy-seven or something, right? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, when I was born, this right. was happening as I was being born. As you CB were being radio, born, disco, all this, all of these things are happening. They're in Spider-Man. You are reading. It's essentially so. Vietnam ended in seventy-five, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, um, so this is after Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Peter Parker has a friend who comes back. Yeah. He has met a woman in Vietnam that nursed him back to help. That's right. Is that what it is? Yeah. So her, <clears throat> pardon me, her lover or friend or husband or whoever this per- this partner yeah. is Vietnamese as well. The hate monger, is he called the hate monger? Because I want him to be called the hate monger. Yeah, he really is literally called the hate monger. That's awesome, because Jim Norton once said to me, when I use the word hate monger, who uses that word? And I said, everyone with an eighth grade education. (laughs) Anyway, but, um, so the hate monger, is he Vietnamese? Uh, I think it turns out he's a wolf. What? Okay, I'm, I, I have suspended my disbelief, so obviously I'm on board with, with the wolf man, but is he a wolf man of Vietnamese ancestry? I th- no, I think he's actually an alien. I think he may be a space alien, if I'm remembering correctly. How did Shoshana, that's not her name, yeah. but how did the Vietnamese lady get into the United States? She's just on tour with the Hare Krishnas? Yeah, and it okay. turns out, like, you know, they have these uh, very, uh, what's the word, uh, magnet, charismatic, yep. um, and it's a brother-sister team called, like, Brother Power and Sister Sun or Sister Sledge or something like okay. that. And they're, like, all, like, sun and moon power, mm-hmm. but it turns out they're, like, Secretly. Vietnamese Kung Fu, because Kung Fu was also huge at the time, so there was a whole martial arts thing right. going on here, too. And no Daredevil? Though, Daredevil, not 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 introduced into the plot. Daredevil probably would have put a stop to all this nonsense right away. Well, only if it was in Hell's Kitchen. If you go north of 50th Street, he's not. Uh, he's fine. Yeah. Whatever, <laughs> you know, that's Upper West Side. He doesn't. Uh, that's not his jurisdiction. And uh, you go below 34th, he doesn't want any part of it. And uh, the first time I went, have you? Uh, did you go to New York at all in the 90s? Uh, I the first time I went was 99. 99. Yeah. I think that was um. Post Disneyfication, wasn't it? Or, or had it, it been cleaned up yet? It or no? was just about starting, and I, rem- <laughs> I remember it was my senior year of college, and uh, we were going to stay with a, a friend, and we had taken like the cheapest possible airline. It was called Tower Air, 
doesn't exist. That does not exist anymore. And a rider in the like, you know, ticket contract was that this plane could be conscripted at any moment for military service. So we were really? convinced we were going to go to Kosovo, like <laughs> mid-flight, like, oh, it's needed for the war effort. We're turning around, boys. <laughs> Excellent. We're we're bringing in food from the Victory Gardens across the earth. Wow. Yeah, I went to New York for the first time in 1980. Had to be 84. Mm-hmm. And wandering loosey-goosey uh and I just it was so gross. Mm. It was easily and it was the heyday of when when video games had just started and I couldn't stop playing video games mm. in general. And so I'm in Times Square looking for video games. Well, there are video, there are places to put quarters. Oh, sure. Uh, and I would walk into like a sex shop and go, yeah, but do you have Tetris? Uh, do you have Donkey Kong? And they'd be like, get out, get out, lady, get out, get out, crazy lady. And, uh, so, but it was, that's fascinating. So, so you are now in 1982. Yeah. And so you, didn't start reading yours until 89, you say, right? Yes, I've got a bit of a ways to go. I mean, I would get like one, like my grandma would like give me like a single issue for Christmas. So I would like catch up. So like throughout the 80s, I have a vague sense of, but where we are now in 1982, where I've sort of tapered Mm -hmm. off, um, is you're starting to see the streets clean up a little bit. You're starting to see the yuppies come in. Mm -hmm. You know, you're starting to see these Wall Street type problems come in, these Wall Street villains. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. The 70s, though, that was, I think, both New York and comics themselves were really struggling to find their way. Right. Well, I think it was a brand new kind of genre. Yeah. I think I should have waited until you had made it through the 90s. Because here's the thing. I just started reading Spider-Man again. Anyway. Yeah. It's because, um, all right, those of you, do you, do you want to know what's happening in Spider-Man? Or do you want to, would you like to, would you like to find out organically? Uh, you feel free to spoil. Okay. Cause I found out, um, doing the meltdown comic book, um, with Jake and I, oh, I'm spacing the other guy's name. Um, I did their podcast and every week they talk about the comics that have come out and they were, and I read Daredevil. I read Daredevil. The man with no fear is how, is how it says the man with no fear. Yeah. Uh, Andy always says, uh, Daredevil, the man with no ears. <laughs> and uh, I don't know he why. He uses sonar maybe. Uh, yeah. Cause why? he's, he's, uh, D- Daredevil is blind. Yeah. But he's got all kinds of radar and he's got all kinds of superpowers that don't make any sense, uh, for a blind man. But, uh, cause you're like, well, you, did he fall in a vat of goo like a ninja turtle? He didn't. Uh, I'm uncertain where he got his, his powers. I could look it up. He's just very attentive. He's genuinely, <laughs> he's a really good listener. And, uh, <laughs> so, but the, um, Spider-Man, uh, busts Daredevil about a month ago. And he was not acting Spider-Man like, and I was like, the hell's the matter with Spider-Man? And so I find out on this, the meltdown podcast, the Meltcast, I believe it's called, mm. um, is that, and I'm reminded of it cause I also read Iron Man and a year ago, Dr. Octopus was dying. He was dying of cancer Yeah, and he had stolen some sort of not cosmic cube kind of thing, but. Something, it was like a, it was almost a wishing device where you're like, I wish I was better. And, uh, it was, um, and then it would heal things and it would, it would recreate life or some sort of thing. And Dr. Octopus was trying to cure himself from this, this disease. What happens is, or where we are at now is that Peter Parker has died mm. and Dr. Octopus is, his soul is in 
the body of Peter Parker. So it's a very Thunderbolts kind of uh, plot where he is a supervillain, but he's forced to pretend to be a superhero. And so he is often conflicted. And um just revealed, by the way, the ghost of, of Peter Parker also lurking. Just like he's sort of like a shadow figure figure around Dr. Octopus Whoa. going. Now, is this late 90s or is this or we knew this, the is cur- this is current times. Okay. That's what's happening right this now. Is, wow. Okay, I have lots to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, you got, well, and I understand that the Bendis run in Ultimates is pretty great. Are you gonna read that universe as well? That's what, you see, I don't know, like after I get to a certain point, I just don't know. Do I have to read everything? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the arbitrary rules I've set for myself, I don't know how <laughs> big to expand this. Do I include Peter Porker, the spectacular spider ham? I don't know. <laughs> what is Peter Porker, the spectacular spider ham, besides the greatest <laughs> name in the world? <laughs> It was a run of, I mean, it was a parody comic. Uh, sure. Lo, lo, I'm into parody. Um, but yeah, it was in the mid eighties, I think. And, uh, they, I think it was on the, like they had a, a kid's line of comics. I, if I'm remembering this correctly, called like star comics. Mm-hmm. There's a division of Marvel. It also included like maybe Howard the Duck, but certainly I feel like the popples were in there. Alf for sure. <laughs> C3PO had a comic book at one point. Okay. Okay. You know? mm-hmm. So it was in that lighthearted vein. Okay, so it was about essentially uh, a pig that was, yeah, it was Peter Porker. It was, was obviously, yeah, sure. Uh, so all the I, I don't remember if all of the villains were similarly porcine or just mm-hmm. merely in the animal mm-hmm. kingdom. Sure, you know, uh, I there's two there's two things going through my mind right now, <laughs> taking parallel paths of where I want to go with this. Yeah. First of all, the Pet Avengers, which I did buy and read the story of the Pet Avengers, and they um, were essentially. Tasked, it was a uh, Black Bolt's dog who psychic. Uh, the leader is um, the Frog Thor. I don't know if you're familiar with the Frog Thor. <laughs> I just uh, now hearing about the Pet Avengers. Right, the Pet Avengers. Uh, they were tasked by, I believe, Black Bolt or Black Bolt's dog mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> to go recover all the gems for the Infinity Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. And uh, who doesn't want the Infinity Gauntlet? Because it gives you all kinds of power. But uh, um, the so the, the Pet Avengers, I didn't know about the silly side stuff of comic books, stuff like the the Peter Porker business, until I read Great Lakes Avengers, which is a Milwaukee-based Avengers team of some serious D-list uh, superheroes. Yeah. Is this real? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, real they're never included in continuity. They they usually check back in with them after a giant thing like the Civil War, or the House of M, or you know something something's happened. Right. And the How whole, you guys doing out there? And still good. Like, great. Hey, what what happened? What? Oh, I'm sorry, we don't get cable. And uh, and the Great Lakes Avengers are like, no, we fought in the Civil War. We were against registration, or you know, or whatever. They take a side in all of these big things, but nobody checks in with them. You know, so there's no. Like the Avengers Initiative, mm-hmm. there was, I believe there was a Wisconsin team that was not the Great Lakes Avengers. Wow. I knew about the West Coast Avengers. Sure. But Great Lakes, no. Are there any other like ancillary auxiliary units running around out um, there? The, for a long time, you know. Jim Henson's Avengers Babies? Avengers Babies. I'll tell you, the, remember when Batman Incorporated came out? I think they just gave up on it. Oh, no, I don't know. Which is when Batman uh, essentially... Uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce Wayne, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Bruce Wayne does not come out as Batman, but Bruce Wayne, uh, publicly announces that he supports Batman. 
Okay. And that he is going to create a Batman-like character in all of the major cities around the world. This is last year. Oh, nice. Franchising. That's yeah, clever. In franchising the Batman series. And um I I think it went the way of the dodo, which means clubbed to death by Dutch settlers in uh, 1681. But it was the, it didn't last. I'm pretty sure it's over, but so what are you going to read Batman next? Are you going to go back? That's, I mean, that's the thing. Do I go to Batman? And there's also the Punisher because actually now that I remember it, I was really into, um, uh, the Punisher at that's the time too. Frank Castle. Frank Castle is the name of that gentleman. Yeah, also very concerned with justice. Right. Very vigilante as well. I mean, these are, I mean, Batman and the Punisher have more in common, except for that the Punisher, of course, lethal force is allowed, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And the, he doesn't care, quite he, honestly. He doesn't give a fig. No, a rat's ass is what Frank Castle doesn't care. I'm reading, and I think I mentioned this on yesterday's. I taped an episode yesterday with a guy who makes board games, but uh, oh, card nice. games. And yeah. um, we were. T- I'm reading Nick. There's a there's a history of Nick Fury, mm-hmm. but it's uh, under the Marvel Max label, oh, okay, and the sure. Max is an adult label. So there's cursing. Yeah. There's boobs. Uh-huh. You might see a nipple. And uh, <laughs> a lady nipple. You can see men's nipples all all day long. But um, it's the history of Nick Fury after World War II. And so Nick Fury in Korea. And right now we are, Nick Fury is wrapping up. He was in Cuba, mm-hmm. Bay of Pigs. Didn't, didn't work out for America. But he's becoming steadily more disillusioned with the CIA yeah. and with, with everything. And so right now he just wrapped up Vietnam and they showed him meeting the Punisher. Oh, it was essentially Frank Castle. They were they were hooked up. They were sort of sent on a, a trip together because Frank Castle was a sniper yeah. in Vietnam. Going to do some black ops. It was complete black ops. Yeah. And Frank Castle just essentially massacres uh, this entire just all the bad guys. Like he doesn't. He's not. There's no. Well, let's leave. You know, they'll napalm them. We don't have to. Our hands will be clean. Right. Frank Castle's like, I don't want my hands to be clean. I would like my hands to be dirty. So I'm super angry. Super angry. I'm Frank Castle and I'm super angry. Did you watch? Have you watched all the movies? Uh, which the Punisher movies? I don't or know. The- I'm all superhero movies. <laughs> I think it's my question. That's an excellent point. There's a lot of movies out there. Yeah. I mean, certainly in that time, uh, like from, you know, 89 to 90, you know, three, I was definitely, but you just couldn't make good superhero movies really emotionally. Yeah. Like Dolph Lundgren was the Punisher. Oh, was he? Uh, and that was kind of, and Louis Gossett Jr. was his buddy, like helping him out. Mm-hmm. And it was real sort of not that good. Um, <laughs> but it was still kind of cool. Sure. I, but yeah. But, but what what year did that movie come out? It was 1990. 1990. Yeah. So you were 13. Yeah, I was 13. You didn't have any sense of what was good or not. Oh, no, I did. Uh, <laughs> I knew at the time. I was like, you know what? I will endure this because it is one of my favorite characters. And I, I, I will support it because at least they're making the effort. Okay. Yeah. And Dolph Lundgren is... So good in Rocky Four, and almost everything, everything he touches, uh, turns at least to silver. Absolutely, um, he's a yeah, pure. It gems. isn't mithril. It's just, it's what it is. He's a chainmail coat of um, he's burnished a, gold. Was he in Lady Hawk? No, that was Rutger Hauer. That's who I get him mixed up with. Oh, I yeah. get Rutger Hauer and Dolph Lundgren mixed up. If you were to call one of them mm-hmm. the rich man's and one of them the poor man's, where would you go with that? Oh, um, I guess. It depends on the time. In the 80s, mm-hmm, I would mm-hmm. say 
maybe Dolph Lundgren is the poor man's Rutger Hauer. Okay. But it might have reversed now with right. uh with Rutger Hauer doing Hobo with a shotgun. Oh right. Whilst um which was he was genuinely amazing in that movie. Right. But uh, I think Dolph with his expendables, you know, I think mm-hmm. that I think the tables have turned. The tables. So Dolph Lundgren, rich man's uh Rutger Hauer at this time, possibly? Uh I'd say. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, it's just a game. It's Dabney yeah. Coleman, poor man's Gene Hackman. It's a game that I've played. Michael Keaton, by the way. Yes. Um, uh, Steve Gutenberg, poor man's Michael Keaton. Oh, Judge yes. Reinhold, poor man's Steve Gutenberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can just keep going. Dabney Coleman. Yes. So good in uh, Cloak and Dagger. You ever see that movie? I did see Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. And how does that, I wonder how that holds up, quite honestly. I was told that it's much darker than I even remembered. Okay. Like it's a genuinely sort of terrifying Dark. like he's put into some perilous situations that little boy okay. henry thomas right kid from et and dabney coleman is his dad slash this video game colonel i think that he idolizes or mm-hmm. was it a game or i don't remember you know what i saw it and i remember being slightly disturbed by it yeah but i wanted to like it so much that whenever it comes up, I have a knee-jerk reaction. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one was great. But I genuinely can't remember. I remember being slightly disturbed, but liking it. And Henry Thomas was in it. Yeah. From E.T., so I was I was on board. Yeah. I feel like young Henry Thomas, like, murders thugs with pistols. I feel like that happens in that movie a lot. Okay. You know what? I own The Last Starfighter. Oh, so good. Holds up hardcore. Yeah. Amazing. Robert Preston. I've talked about it before. Let's talk about it again. A remake of The Last Starfighter. How could it be done? What would the app be? Because that's what you'd have to do. You'd have to send out some sort of iTunes app mm-hmm. that would be the test so that you could be to find a, to find a starfighter. Yeah. That's what, that would be the test that you'd have to send out, right? I think, yeah. And you would actually, you'd have to pilot, uh, it would be drone control. You've seen those like helicopters that, oh, right. that run via, just so you have them do that run. And then it mm-hmm. turns out you're, you're actually piloting a spaceship. Uh, Ooh, Ender's Game. Did you read Ender's Game? No, I didn't. I know of it, but I've never read uh, Ender's Game. Well, it's an easy read, especially at this late date, because it's written for 11-year-olds. But the... uh It's great. It's a, um, it's uh, the story, of course, about a seven, uh, the story we all wish we lived, which is when we're seven, mm-hmm. if we are forced to play, uh, laser tag and video games to learn military strategy in free fall. Uh, yeah. Okay. Who yeah. doesn't, I, I've, I wanted that when I was seven and none of that had been invented. So <laughs> I wanted it anyway. So. <laughs> so do you think you'll, I mean, do you think you'll read Okay, no, my real question, let's go back to the actual question, which was, sure. so you saw the Punisher movie oh, right. in the late 80s, yeah, early 90s or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, the, And of course, there was the Batman franchise mm-hmm. going on at that time. There was a Superman no, series. No, Superman was dead by that point. There was, okay. He had had his quest for peace. Oh, uh, right. That did oh, not. He, oof. Yeah. Yeah, the first two were okay for me, and then there was trouble. And they haven't been able to recapture it, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, but I think there's another reboot coming of Superman. And then they have a hard time with DC characters, you yeah. know, in, in, in movie form. Though the new Batman, that trilogy with Christian Bale. Real good. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah. Super dark. Yeah. Not, I mean, I have a problem with Batman just because he seems so flawed. Yeah. <laughs> Right. You know, he's sort of like, he's like the Hulk with money, you know, because he's always angry, right? Yeah. 
but he's but he's you know he's he's not like bristling with 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 fury he's not like a an irrepressible id and saying hulk smash he's a barely contained like force of just vigilante <laughs> fury like he's just constantly propelling himself almost like the t1000 in the uh in you know t2 he's always in uh, terminator 2 yeah, he's like a puma okay all oh, right right he's yeah. very much so the original batman series which was wacky Okay, the Adam West. The one. Adam West series. Yeah. I enjoyed that series. Oh, sure. Yeah. And it was, and that Batman, he felt very sort of, you know, like Captain America kind of, you know, I am going to fight for justice. It wasn't this sad sack kind of thing. My parents were killed and now I have to fight every mugger in the world. Yeah. And he was just a rich guy with a, with a red phone to the city government. Right. He was just like, I can probably help you out because I, I can afford more toys than the government. Yeah. Kind of thing. I'm Is having that- a great time with my little boy. Right, right. Me and my buddy, me and my little buddy. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's you cool. Know, it's a. Uh, it doesn't have to be ugly. <laughs> it doesn't have to be creepy. Oh, it can be. Uh, but uh, they were just having a ball. They were just having a ball. And then, so have you followed any of the? So did you see the X Men movies when they came out? I did. I saw the first two, and I right. thought the second one in particular was amazing. I thought it was the like probably I, the first great superhero movie. I was really impressed with it. Now people say that it's a. Uh, was the first one was with Rogue and Wolverine and Magneto with the giant machine to make everyone into mutants, right? Maybe I saw it. Yeah. Don't remember what happened. What was the second? The second one was uh more mutant action. <laughs> but I remember that sort of that like sub theme of there was that, you know, Colonel who was played by Brian Cox who was amazing. Oh. And but it was sort of like that. But it was mutant- a Wolverine story. Yeah. Wolverine origin story. That's right. He came front and center and there was that sort of wonderful subplot of, or subtext rather, of like the mutants coming out. It's almost like a sort of a gay coming out, you know, story, which I thought was really, mm-hmm. you know, well handled. Oh, well, wait a minute. So was there a huge mutant reveal? I don't remember there being, the only part of that movie I remember is. Oh, that's right. There was a senator. The senator. Played by Bruce somebody. But wasn't that. And then he melted into a puddle and that right, was. Right, he melted into a just puddle. Awful. That was the first movie. That but, was the was one. Was the first movie? Yeah, yeah, cause it was Magneto had the machine and it was gonna be on the Statue of Liberty. Right. And, uh, he needed Rogue to power the machine cause whoever she touches. Okay. And he needed, and so then they stick Magneto in the, um, in the plastic jail, right? So yeah. the second movie starts with... I feel like there are thousands of people just furiously correcting us uh, as they're listening <laughs> right at this very moment. Oh, oh, that's a common thing. And then a lot of people going, what are we listening to? A frame-by-frame recounting of the X-Men movies? Fantastic. Is there a fast-forward? No, there is not. There's not a way to fast-forward podcasts. Because you think, am I going to miss something? Is there going to be a nipple? And uh, so there might be a giant reveal. But No, but the second one Mystique frees Magneto, right? Okay. And, um, and, oh, there is a big, there's the senatorial, cause the Phoenix, right? Uh-huh. It's a, it's with the Phoenix power. Jean Grey goes before Congress. Yeah. And, yeah. Because the second one, they try to shut down, the military guy tries to shut down the school. I'm probably conflating both no, movies. Yes, yeah. But I do remember when Colossus turns into Colossus in the school, because they've made him much younger in oh, the movies. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. And I remember going, wow, that, that's a good looking kid. Uh, cause I'm 107 and he's like 19. <laughs> so it seems 
inappropriate. Yeah. But I do remember thinking, because he just, he covers up with armor because he's Colossus. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, that is, that's awesome. And then Kitty Pride is jumping through walls and, you know, they're running. They're running from, and then the, the fire kid goes with Magneto and the ice kid stays with, uh, Wolverine and they end up breaking in to see Wolverine's past and the, and then the, uh, the, the colonel is chained to the helicopter at the end of it all. Remember that? And it goes underwater. And then the Phoenix is. Oh yeah. And then they throw away the Phoenix, uh, the Phoenix story to do, uh, Wolverine origin. This, and I remember like, yeah, Wrath of Khan style, like, uh, it was Jean Grey, like, uh, gets something happens to her real dead like. Yep. And then, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I, I, then I stopped paying it. I didn't pay attention after that. So those, yeah, those were the two great X-Men movies. Cause the third X-Men movie was the Phoenix Force one. Yeah. And, Huge Ackman, uh, loses all of his clothes. I say clothes. that too. Do you say Huge Ackman as well? I do. It is pretty great. And, uh, but he loses all of his clothes, uh, and much of his skin as he tries to fight Jean Grey, except for his tiny pants. Yeah. Uh, he is allowed to have tiny pants like the Hulk, uh, at the end of it when he finally gets up to her. But, um, and then I think, um, Origins comes out, Wolverine Origins, set, by the way, during the, Three Mile Island. Oh. Uh, it, mutants caused that. Okay. Just so you know, uh, mutants caused Three Mile Island. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, <laughs> also in the seventies, uh-huh. um, if I, if I may bring it back to, to Spider-Man for just Please a moment. Please do. I remember, Please do. I, I, I will weed off. <laughs> I remember that, uh, uh, at one, at one point, Doc, Dr. Octopus literally explodes in a Three Mile and Three Mile Island, uh, type explosion and there was like actually caused a nuclear devastation sort of blast oh really yeah and then he's away for a long time magically comes back but of course but there was real bad stuff going on in the 70s yeah yeah so Um, oh so they brought that in as well they did yeah there were were like the the nuclear thing uh the disco thing came in a big way (laughs) um you mentioned you had read the marvel team up right um there was one uh, one issue that completely struck me totally by surprise in this one, Spider-Man teamed up with, um, the, uh, the cast of Saturday Night Live. The original, not ready for primetime players. Oh my god. Yeah. John Belushi. Yeah. Fights a samurai. Why wouldn't he? Yeah. Uh, because he had, there was a, there was a, a sketch. Yeah. He was the samurai guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I th- you know, not to give too much away, but a thrilling battle. Thrilling samurai battle. Chevy Chase is in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Gilda Radner. Oh yeah. Um, all of them. What's her? I've spaced the other names. What, uh, do, you, what do you got? Yeah, you your Jane Curtin in there. Mm-hmm. Your your Lorraine Newman. Yeah. Uh, what was Lorraine Newman doing? That's what I wanted to know. I think she, I got to meet Lorraine. Newman oh, did she? Oh, recently. yeah. Yeah, she's around. She mm-hmm. does doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she is smiling. <laughs> Well, that is her superpower. She is charming. Yeah, she she charmed the pants off of uh, the supervillain and was a delightful distraction. If I'm excellent, correctly. excellent, sure, sure. Super Fox and uh, Jane Curtin was she bossy Magoo all over? Everybody? Yeah, I think she was in the like there was a news. If I could just be making all this up at this point, just because it, it read like a fever dream, so I, I can't I can't tell what's real and what's just my imagination. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I think she was on the newscast and then, you know what like. Interdimensional hijinks uh, okay. ensued. Ensued, and the hot and Spider-Man 
Was he was he starstruck to meet the cast of uh, of them? He uh, <laughs> he. I don't I don't remember, and maybe I'm just <laughs> maybe I just need to take a little break because I'm I'm just sort of powering through these at this point. <laughs> but um, right there. If I may, just because th- this has been sort of like on my mind for a while. He's, okay. He's been having, like, he's fine now, I think, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But he had mm-hmm. some real bad catchphrases. Oh, did he? He used to call people Bunky. B-U-N-K-Y? Uh, I-E. Yeah. Bunky with an I-E. Yeah. I wouldn't have gone there. What is it, what, what do you think he meant? I, something disparaging. Oh. Yeah, he'd just be like, hey, Bunky. And then he would like... Whack some thug in the mouth. He'd whack him in the mouth. Yeah. Um, He'd also I call him what a joy. means. I don't know. What else did he call him? A joy boy. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, that seems a little derogatory. Yeah, same thing. There might be, th- these might be uh, sort of very, very subtle gay slams. That's all I can think of. <laughs> like his, like if I'm trying to look for racism or homophobia or something. <laughs> right. Do you think he's talking about the olive drab green people? No. <laughs> Those people don't exist, Jackie. Anyway, um, <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, that is Bunky and Joy Boy. Yeah. And it's not like, like the first couple of times you read it and you just think, okay, that's fine. It was the era. But yeah. he continues to use it from like the late sixties to the early eighties. I mean, early eighties. He's still talking. He's still calling people that. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, gross. I want him to be, I want him. I, when I stopped reading him, it was because I felt like I had grown up from sarcasm. Mm-hmm. It is not true. It turns out I was wrong. Uh, because, uh, I do like a quippy superhero, but, um, the, uh, yeah, it was, it was too, it was too pat. There was not enough, there wasn't enough depth, yeah. you know, for Spider-Man. I want Spider-Man, you know, I understand with great responsibility comes or power and responsibility. I understand the, the theory, right? Sure. But I want there, I want there to be something more happening as well. Yeah. What, what, what still draws you to Spider-Man? Well, the fact that he, I think it's the fact that he struggles, mm-hmm. that he wants to do the right thing and he's got real problems, mm-hmm. just real problems. What are they? What are those problems? He's, you know, he's usually doesn't have enough bread to make the rent. Sure. He, um, always has, has lady problems. He's got lady problems. He's trying to go to school and try to try to fight crime at the same time. I remember that arc at yeah. one point where he's just exhausted. Maybe that's from the movie. I've seen all the movies. Yeah. Have you seen all the movies? No, not the most recent one. Oh, you didn't? No, I didn't see that new reboot. I didn't mind that. Yeah, it's that was, good. yeah it was all right. I'll check it out. Some people didn't enjoy it. I, uh, I, I don't have a lot uh, writing on. Like, I like the comics so much mm-hmm. that I don't. I had more invested in the Avengers series. Sure. You know, because I read each of those comics and it's so weird. But I didn't read Iron Man before Iron Man came out. The movie, the first Iron Man movie inspired me to start pulling Invincible Iron Man. Mm -hmm. And it's been excellent. It's been excellent, actually. But I haven't asked you, do you have a, a favorite comic book? Uh, too many, too many. I've been, I've been loving a lot. I was just plugging, uh, Girls, which is an indie. It's a very, very science fiction-y kind of, um, the Luna Brothers are these two guys and it's an image title, I believe. So it's not the Marvel adaptation of the Lena Dunham series? It is not. Okay. Who's Lena Dunham again? She does the girls HBO show. Oh, Would you know it. if you had HBO Go? Exactly. If I had, if I was allowed, <laughs> if my brother would just give me his, no, yeah, and, uh, yeah, I know, I, that, that came, that's why I'd heard her name because I had recommended it 
to two different people now and, uh, Baron Vaughn and Steve Mandel. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they, girls, okay, the Luna Brothers have written three titles, three. The first one was called Ultra and it was about, and it was almost made into a TV series mm. and it was about supermodels who are also superheroes. Huh? Come on. Mm-hmm. Why isn't that on television uh, every watch, moment of every day? I'd watch that. Everyone would. And yet it didn't make it. <laughs> the next one was better. It was girls. And girls is essentially about a town of 68 people in the middle of nowhere, America. And uh, a man has just broken up with his girlfriend in this tiny town. He is driving in his pickup truck uh, back to his house. He is drunk. There is a woman on the side of the road flagging him down. She mm. is nude, noodly, uh, nudish. Mm. She is uh, naked. Listening. And uh, <laughs> listening, paying attention. So he picks her up, gives her his shirt, and uh, I believe he is a gentleman, mm-hmm. and uh, brings her. He's like, where do you live? She doesn't talk. She doesn't. Perfect. Nude? Doesn't talk? Come on. Luna Brothers. Anyway, uh, making friends. But the... Uh, <laughs> What happens is she seduces him because that's how it happens. That's how ladies do it. And uh, the next morning, they wake up at his house. She's in the bathroom. She's laid a hundred (laughs) eggs. Oh, yeah. Guess what comes out of every egg? Same lady. Nude. Beautiful. Wanting to screw everybody. Oh, I see the problem. Oh, yeah. There's a, there is a ship that shows up shaped, shaped like a giant sperm. <laughs> this, these are the silliest two men in the world, right? So girls, but the thing is, is you read the, I read it episodically. I read it, uh, month to month and you read it and you're like, well, this can't get any worse. And then you open up the first page of the next episode and you're like, Holy crap. Uh, yeah. things are bad. So it's a real corker of a tale, real page turner. It's a super page turner. Yeah. And the town goes mad. The town, the women in the town lose their tiny lizard minds and, uh, the guys in town lose their tiny lizard. I mean, the people go back to lizards and, uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of bloodshed and some insanity happens. And, but the good thing about the Lennon brothers, they do, they put a nice button on all their, they, they nail the landing. Mm-hmm. So the second, the third series that they just finished probably a year ago now was called The Sword, and it was about a magic sword that gets found, and uh, and it and it's awesome. It's about uh, the sword that it's a god killer, and it's weird, and it's an amazing story. So anything by the Luna Brothers, I would recommend. Ultra is probably the weakest, but it's still pretty fun. And uh, yeah, and they're all finite, which is nice with comic books as opposed to Spider Man. Which I'm going to let you talk about in a minute. Of course, no, and, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I read a lot of. I mean, I read everything. I'm reading a thousand titles, Marvel. Not a lot of DC. I've just canceled. Um, we just canceled uh, Teen Titans and Superboy because they were dumb, and it was hard. Yeah. It was hard to get to anything. So the, we're reading Animal Man and uh, Dial H for a Hero. Oh, nice. And that's the best thing is, is the power. And it's something I didn't have as a kid. Like once I, sub, once I subscribed to something, mm-hmm. once I got on board with something, I was in it. This was part of my life. This was part of my DNA. I had absorbed this character and just became, you know, mm-hmm. but you, if something's dumb, you know, and me as an adult now, I'll be like, yeah, this is stupid. I I'm, not gonna, this go. I'm not going to, I'm not going to read this anymore. Right. It did take a while. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so talk to me about your podcast. Oh, sure. And 
So it's called uh, This American Wife. Yeah, This American Wife, and it's a, a gentle parody of the public radio format. Yes. Um, this is another, you know, talk about dork uh, obsession, um, you know. Perfect public minute radio. 54, let's do it. <laughs> minute 54, ju- <laughs> huge reveal, the reveal of the second dorkdom. <laughs> so, but, it, but it's a great way to get you back on the show, so go. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, I, um, I guess I, I didn't really know about public radio until right after 9-11, actually. And I was on a road trip. Um, I was actually driving to Manhattan to pick up my friend who lived down in lower Manhattan. And um, we were just sort of terrified, as, as we all were. And so I was driving across the country to pick him up. And then we sort of drove back and zigzagged and make the, made this crazy road trip out of it. Okay. Um, but because of this fear and, and terror, um, I would listen to the radio constantly for news. And the only thing that I found that was, you know, not terrifying local radio markets that was soothing and that I could follow from place to place was NPR. Okay. And so <clears throat> as because I, it's the most news like, yeah, uh, it, it, you know, it's not as inflammatory as talk radio. Exactly. It's not, it's not, it, you know what? It is not inflammatory. It is, it is occasionally irritating but it's not inflammatory exactly there it's a little adenoidal but <laughs> but it's but yeah it's very balanced and it's very soothing and there was something about those voices <laughs> those that voices. made me feel better <laughs> um and then it, it was as i was sort of driving back listening hour after hour to all things considered that i realized and i was started to talk along with it and i realized that i could do robert siegel who's one of the all things considered anchors mm-hmm. and so i would just be driving along going well you know this morning in america it's very it's still very scary but we're all getting through it together as a nation, you know, and I, I would just drive, you know, with my friend. And, um, mm-hmm. and then of course, years later, not knowing that this would be a skill, um, that could actually, uh, do something. Uh, right, right. That would be fun to do for a longer amount of time. Yes. Who knew there was a market for fake public radio? <laughs> uh, I believe there is. That sounds like, um, that is a serious market. So they can go to thisamericanwife.com. Uh, thisamericanwifepodcast.com. Podcast.com. And we're also okay. on iTunes and all the other. Um, we've, we've been on a bit of a hiatus. Uh, these, sure. these last couple of months because we are putting the finishing touches on a web series version of it. Oh, video. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be video with moving pictures. Um, some amazing. amazing people in it. We've got like James Urbaniak <gasps> and Dana Snyder and Julie Klausner and all these wonderful, um, uh, Oh, people. that's so great. So it's going to be a delightful yeah. show. That's, that's, that's cool. And how many episodes are there? Uh, the f- season one will have five episodes. How many episodes? Of the podcast are there? We've got, we're on number 64. Okay. So people, you could catch up out there, people. You got 64 hours in a week. Yeah. Uh, what, when's the web series going to get released? Uh, it should be in the next few weeks. Okay. Yeah. So Marchish? Marchish. Nice. Yeah. And if you like, um, specifically, um, like things like the thrilling adventure hour, super mm-hmm. ego, if you're podcast listeners, we have some All original right. episodes with those guys that are great ones to start with. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thrilling adventure hour is amazing. Yeah. That, that, the writing on that is just so full of joy. Sharp I, I've, I've only gotten to see one live show of it mm-hmm. and I'm, my mind was blown because it was just so much fun and so real. You know, everyone, everyone's just really good at what they do. You know, everyone, there's so much talent in the world and it can go towards anything. It's sort of like dorkdoms. They're available. <laughs> They're out there. So <laughs> people can follow you on Twitter on, um, say it. 
Yeah, the show is This Amer Wife on Twitter. Um, Amer Wife. And my handle personal. is, yeah, personal, just me, just me keeping it real. Right. <laughs> Eric One Martin. Eric with a C, the number one Martin. <laughs> M-A-R-T-I-N. That's right. <laughs> Eric, uh, this has been fascinating. And when you are done, when you are caught up with Spider Island. Yes. <laughs> uh, please come back on the show and, uh, and tell us how it all ended. Would love, I'm, feel it's going to be a ways, a bit of a ways off, but I would right. love to. I but would love to. It'll take a while. That's fine. Of course. Don't wait up is what we're saying, Rangers of the Dork Forest. Yeah, don't hold your breath. Anyway, super fun episode. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Take care of each other out there. Bye. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance, and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?